Hey guys, this is Jimmy Moore from Living La Vida Low Carb, and you're listening to the Low Carb Leader Podcast. Welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast, a podcast focused on optimizing health and performance through a low carb lifestyle. Every episode will bring you a step closer to living an amazing low carb life. Come join us for this exciting journey. And here is your low carb leader and host, Dan Perryman. Hello and welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast. I am your host, Dan Perryman, and you have joined me for episode 63. Well, you're listening to the audio version of this. I am starting something different. I am going to video interview my guests if they want. Not all want to be video interviewed, but the video interview will be in addition to the audio interview. So there will be an audio podcast, but there will also be a video podcast that is available on the Low Carb Leader Facebook page and the Low Carb Leader YouTube channel. So I will announce it on the audio podcast whenever there is a video available. And this week was the first video interview. So now you have audio and video options, at least some of the time. I'd love to hear your feedback about either the audio or the video. You can email me that feedback at dan at thelowcarbleader.com. So now on to the interview. Hey everyone, welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast. Uh, if you have been a listener, you probably realize that I don't ever do video. So this is a pretty cool day. And uh, we have an awesome guest that I will talk about here in a minute. But the video will be available on Facebook, on the Low Carb Leader Facebook page, and on YouTube, the Low Carb Leader. And the audio will be available where it usually is on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcast platform you use. So I'm excited about this. And so <laughs> I'll figure that out. So today's guest, nutritional therapy practitioner, restorative wellness practitioner, certified personal trainer, real food foodie, and passionate health seeker. She grew up on the standard American diet, as we all did, and then developed some problems in 2008, autoimmune disease, ulcerative colitis. Yep. If I read it correctly, it took you a few years to kind of uh, figure out that the diet was the cause of that because on your website, it said 2013, you finally mm -hmm. started realizing what was happening. So, and she is the host of the Keto for Women show, which is a top ranked podcast on iTunes. So welcome to the show, Sean Miner. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to be the first person on video. This is awesome. I, ho I hope it records. <laughs> <laughs> me too. That would be nice. So Sean, we'll see. yeah, this is awesome. So you are in Boulder, Colorado. I am. Right. Yes, I'm in Boulder, Colorado, although my business uh, is all over the world, helping helping women basically with a ketogenic diet um, all across the globe. So yeah. it's, a, it's a fun world to be in. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love keto. And this is kind of the second keto interview in October. We had a uh, keto and cancer last time. And then uh, oh, nice. And then uh, hopefully we'll have another one. I've I have struggled with uh, scheduling Dominic D'Agostino. I've scheduled him several uh, times. He's a busy guy. And uh, so hopefully we'll... That will be a great interview, though. Get him on the show, yeah. So, Sean, tell us your story. Go back to the very beginning and walk us through how you became a keto fan. Yes. Okay. So, like you mentioned in the intro, I grew up eating pretty much whatever I wanted, but within that always being on a diet. I was someone who was a constant dieter. And I think now back to that, the stress of all of that eventually led me to develop an autoimmune disease. And at the time I was fine just doing what my doctor said, taking all these pills, seeing if it would go into remission, not worrying about my diet at all and just kind of going with it. And then just kind of eventually that didn't work for me anymore. Like that just wasn't the solution that I was looking for. I didn't want to be on all of these pills for the rest of my life, uh, just waiting to see if it would work or not. Like I just knew there had to be a better way. And, um, so that's when I started doing some research. I turned to Dr. Google and, uh, found the paleo diet long story short, uh, which, you know, promotes real food, taking out the grains, taking out the sugar, all that stuff. And basically started that the very next day. Uh, and 
I had amazing results. I had really good results. I was able to get off some of the medication for the most part. I still had times that I wasn't in total remission and, um, but felt a lot better, had a lot more energy and, and just felt really good. However, then slowly but surely that stopped working. And it was more so I was just getting these very random symptoms that didn't make any sense to me, like extreme fatigue, um, memory loss, uh, brain fog, joint pain, uh, very random, very significant weight gain over a short period of time. And just all these symptoms that didn't add up specifically for how well I was eating, um, how active I am. And it just, I was confused. I was at a loss. Um, so a lot of digging took place then. And that's when I, I mean, again, very long story short, I came across the fact that I was dealing with toxic mold exposure and that was causing what is known as biotoxin illness in the body and chronic inflammatory response syndrome to where your body just totally inflames because it doesn't know how to detoxify from these environmental toxins. Um, and it was causing all kinds of these symptoms. It's very, uh, inflammatory for your brain. And, uh, when that happens, then you have this memory loss and, um, leptin resistance and all this stuff. So that's when I went, started through a protocol. It was going really well. Um, but I just wasn't seeing the full resolution that I wanted. I still wasn't feeling like myself. And that's when, I mean, at this point I had already been a nutritionist for about two years. I basically became a nutritionist after I went paleo and realized how awesome it was that spurred me for, to this career. But, um, so I knew enough about nutrition to know that my next step would probably be the ketogenic diet. That was kind of like my last resort. Like, would this work? Could I get the healing benefits of these ketones to a point where I could reduce my inflammation, heal my brain, um, heal my leptin resistance, basically everything that was going wrong. It just kind of made sense that producing ketones could really help me. And that's when basically, again, Dr. Google confirmed that <laughs> and the next day I started my ketogenic diet. And uh, that was over a year ago now. It's been about 13 months and it changed my life. In a, in a pretty short period of time. So Sean, going back, you said mold exposure. Was that in your house or apartment? Mm -hmm. Or how, yeah. how did you find out about the mold? Yeah, so there was actually a couple different instances because it just kept following me. But yes, it originally started. Um, Boulder, Colorado had a significant flood in 2013. I think it was 2013, maybe 2014. Um, and I was in a home that flooded. And so there was remediation that happened. It was shoddily done. Uh, didn't realize it for a whole nother year that there was mold growing in that home and that that was the culprit. But then, yeah, I just found it and it made a lot of sense, you know, with the whole timeline. And then um, I personally found that at that time and then I moved again and that home, I had an inspector come in just to make sure because I still wasn't feeling great and he was able to find it. Wow. So wow. instances. Yeah. It grows in a lot more places than we think, which is really scary. Yeah. I've, I've known actually a couple people that have been pretty negatively affected by mold. I know mm -hmm. Dave Asprey you probably, mm -hmm. you probably, yes. he, yeah, yeah. I, you know, he, he's like a mold detective. He, he even has like a moldy, I think it's called the documentary. Yeah, he that did. movie. It was one of the, the first things I watched and to be like, oh my gosh, this sounds like me. Yeah. Like that was my first clue to be like, I need to research this a little further. So once you took care of the mold issue, did your symptoms start disappearing or did you have to go keto to kind of get your, I'm going to call it UC under check? Yeah. So as far as the ulcerative colitis, so in the, um, in that time as well of being, going through all this random health stuff, I also developed Hashimoto's, which is another autoimmune disease. So I now had two autoimmune diseases to work with. And basically as I got out of the mold and started to detoxify from that, which is a very specific protocol, it's called the shoemaker protocol. If anybody's interested, um, it's a very specific protocol that you have to go through to basically allow your body to heal from that. Like you can't just leave and then you're fine. You have to do a lot of work. Um, so that really helped me. And I got those autoimmune diseases into remission through that protocol, but it just wasn't enough. Like it, I was feeling better, but I wasn't feeling like myself, which is two different things. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> I naturally have a lot of energy and I wasn't there yet. <laughs> you, know, you know, I think, don't worry, we'll get to keto in a minute, but I, I think, yeah, no. I, I think when people hear about like mold exposure and detoxification, I, I think, 
I don't know if it's a majority of people, but they, a lot of people will say, oh, that's kind of uh, hokey stuff. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've always been one of those where, you know, detox or whatever, you know, people do the detox uh, protocols and all that. But, uh, you know, the more I read about it, because I, I had an infrared sauna and I try to do that like daily. And I read that there's so much environmental bad exposure now that, you know, there's research about babies being born with all these toxins in their bodies. And, and I read that it, it could take up to two years or more of every day in the sauna to get some of these heavy metals out. And I'm sure mold is everywhere. And so my point in saying all this is this is, this is a real thing. This isn't something that you just hear about and you're like, ah, oh, whatever the detox and heavy metals and all that. It's, it's a real issue now in the environment we live in, right? Yeah, it is a real issue. I think it's becoming more prominent, even just, you know, the toxins and the chemicals and stuff in our food, right? Like that's just becoming harder to find. Uh, Although I think we're getting more awareness around that now. But as far as the environmental stuff goes, um, and specifically with mold or uh, lime carrying ticks is another one that is, um, we're kind of in the same class of these biotoxin illnesses. There's actually 25% of the population that has the gene that does not allow them to actually detoxify from it properly. So, you know, in 75% of the people, you get exposed to mold, you leave, and your body eventually rids itself of it. And then in 25%, that doesn't happen. And that's when this like inflammatory response happens. And so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, people like my friends and family, and they don't quite understand what I went through or what is happening. They're like, oh, you just have like this mold allergy. And it's like, no, no, that's not the same thing. But uh, it's very common to not quite understand it. But then once I mean, the amount of people that I talk to that are having all of these random health issues that they cannot heal. My thought is, what's your environment? That's that's exactly how I think, too. So so keto for women. So your show is about women. Let's start with the obvious. What's the difference between men and women? (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Well, it sums up to one word, and that is hormones, <laughs> which I'm sure you can guess. Um, I, th- I thought that would be better if you said that, not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good idea. Um, yes. So it is actually, I just honestly found this out through my own, going through my own journey with it. And uh, keto is such an awesome tool for us to use for our health. But in women, it can also be kind of detrimental if you don't take it on the right way. So a lot of women will go from doing one thing one day and then the next day they're eating zero carbs and, excuse me, and, you know, really cutting down their calories and, and it can really cause some stress on your body to do it that way. Um, and so when we have stress, especially as women, although men see this too, but especially as women, our hormones just freak out. They just, do like any chance that our hormones can get to go out of balance, it will happen. And stress is the culprit for most of the reasons why that would happen. So I just kind of found this out myself and then working with clients one-on-one and getting them into ketosis and just seeing this difference that needs to happen between men and women in order for the women to get the same benefits that their husband or friend or whatever is getting, but in a different way. It's a little, we need to tweak it a little bit. What are some of the common issues that people have when they, they want to become ketogenic? They, you know, what I see is that, you know, they'll be all gung ho and they'll be like, okay, I'm going to go get my avocados and my macadamia nuts and my bacon. And I got an issue with that too. I, there's the ketogenic people that are like, I just eat bacon all day. And I think you need a healthy balance. I think you need your greens and your vegetables and, and eating bacon all day. That's I'm sure you're ketogenic, but I don't know if it's the most But is it a health-promoting state? Yeah. Yeah. So when people start, do you see that they'll be too gung-ho at the beginning and then they fall off? Or what's the typical type of problems you see when people start this? Well, there's a lot of them. But I would say the biggest ones, I mean, that is definitely one where they are very gung-ho right away. And there's so much information. It's almost information overload right now in the ketogenic community. And it's there's a lot of rules and weird restrictions and things that just don't make sense. And there's conflicting information and it's very confusing. And so some, you know, a lot of women will like take all those rules and apply it all immediately. 
and not consider what is working for them, what their body needs, how they're actually feeling and what modifications they should make. So there's a whole, not a whole lot of intuitiveness I find for a lot of people in ketogenic diets, but there should be because there's a lot of room to find out what works for you. And that's something I'm really big on. Um, I also find that for women or really just in general, although I don't think it's as pronounced in men, you think you're doing the ketogenic diet but you're actually not. And so you're really super restricting your carbs down to pretty much nothing, but you haven't increased your fat. Right. And so right. then you're just on this super low food diet. Your body does not like that. Trust me, I've seen it time and time again. Your body does not like that. And then you don't feel good. You start missing your cycles. Things start happening and you think, oh, keto doesn't work. Like keto is not good. Right. But you weren't actually there. We've been told for so long that fat is so bad for you. It was years ago, and my son was like, you should try this low-carb thing. And he kept on saying you have to eat. You should really go to 70-30 beef or 80-20 ground beef. And I'm like, no, I need lean. And so what I did, I think a lot of people do this. You cut out carbs, and then I cut down the fat. And it was, mm -hmm. I was... I think I was dying. I, I was, it was horrible. It was horrible. And he's like, you, you know, you can't do this. So the more I started reading, yeah, you can't lower your carbs and then say, well, I'm going to keep my fat down too. Totally. You, you need something. You need something. And Joseph Mercola, he, he's a keto guy too. And he talks a lot about the mistake of having your protein way too high when you're mm -hmm. trying to stay ketogenic. And, and I've actually monitored my ketones and I thought, to what you were saying, I thought I was ketogenic for a long time. And I don't think I was because my protein was so high. And that was a mistake that I made. Yes. And that's a very common one, too. And I think it, again, comes from the past where we've heard we need all this protein to like build our muscle and keep us lean. And, and so just go for the protein and not, that's not the case if you're trying to get into ketosis because you are going to have, you can have a blood sugar response from protein just as much as you can from carbohydrates. Um, especially if it's a very lean cut of protein, you're not getting any fat with it or anything else to kind of moderate that. So it's something again, where you do have to kind of find that balance of the, basically the macronutrients that your body needs to get you into ketosis. And it's different for everybody. That's what people don't understand. Right, right. So most of the people that come to you, I, I take it, most of them are women, I, I'm mm -hmm. guessing, right? Yes. Are, are they on the typical standard American diet? Or are they low carbers that are trying to get into keto? Or are they paleo trying to get into keto? Who are the people you are seeing? Uh, most of them are probably paleo trying to get into keto, I would say, or low carb trying to get into keto. Um, both of those are pretty prominent. And that's kind of the situation where you don't understand how much fat you need to actually produce ketones. Like we need those fatty acids to produce the ketones in our body. So there's a purpose to that, right? So, and not to mention when you, you need enough food, and obviously, uh, fat is very, um, nutrient dense if you're getting good high quality fats, which I is the only thing I promote to do. Um, and you know, you, it's, you're getting enough calories, you're getting enough energy, but, um, you also need those fatty acids for so many other things and they're very healing and they don't spike your blood sugar. The favorable type of fats, avocado, olive oil, macadamia nuts, yeah, nuts and seeds. Um, I like fattier cuts of meat like we were talking about. I think that's great. Uh, I really love making my own mayo, avocado oil mayo. It's so good. And it's such a great way to um, like make a sauce. You can make a sauce with just put some other kinds of spices in there. Uh, and so you can make dressings and things like that. And yeah, I, I make all my own homemade dressings, which is really important. So you're just kind of topping it with that. Butter or ghee, I think is great. Coconut oil, you know, all that kind of stuff. The usual stuff. The fattier cuts of meat. You know, I think mm -hmm. I think we have to be careful about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the, here's here's the catch 22 organic or grass fed, actually grass fed meat is more expensive mm -hmm. than the kind of the CAFOs, the regular right. meat, which is just horrible. Scary. Uh, <laughs> you know, we say eat more fatty cuts of meat and then you go to uh, the supermarket and you get a cheap cut of fatty meat and then all the toxins go into the fat from these cow producing factories. 
I think you have to be careful because if you're not eating a good quality cut of meat and you're eating all the fat like on a ribeye or something, it could actually be somewhat damaging for you, right? Totally. Yeah. And that's something that I promote hardcore in everything that I do um, on my podcast and in my group and all that stuff, because the quality of the food is of utmost importance when you're doing a ketogenic diet. I don't believe it. What I call it nutrient dense keto. Like there has to be that. And like you mentioned, the even making sure you're having veggies. I'm on a high veggie keto diet. I think that's really important too. And it should be organic. And like you said, with the meats, I only recommend organic grass fed, grass finished beef for sure, because then that the difference is, and yes, it is more expensive, but if you're thinking about like, think about uh, buying a multivitamin, you could be getting that just in your food. You could be getting those nutrients and saving your money on that multivitamin. If you actually get these really high quality meats, because then that fat goes from toxic and super inflammatory to very rich in omega threes, very anti-inflammatory and really good for us. Right. And, and the same with olive oil, you know, it's there's, I just read an article that said it can be supplemented with all these non olive oils. And if it says it's from Italy, they ha- there's some, there's some catch that it just has to be like shipped through the country or something. It doesn't even need to be from the country. So, and I wish I had the link, I can put the link in the show notes, but there's a, there's an olive oil website that kind of, uh, says mm-hmm. it, these have been tested to be real olive oil and you know, olive oil is great for you as long as you're eating high quality olive oil. If you're eating a bunch of olive oil that's cut with cheaper stuff, then you're kind of you're, counterproductive. You're not doing yeah. what you think you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, I think the, a lot about that. Yeah. Making sure that the majority of those oils on the shelves too aren't of good quality. Like you have to be super picky and yes, it is most likely going to going to be the most excuse me, most expensive one. But there's a reason for that and um I think you can also again it's kind of worth it to spend a little bit more because the taste is so much better, the texture is so much better. Like you really are it really does make a difference. And you know that that not only is the quality so much better, but, you know, even if you're not super concerned about that, the taste is so much better. I saw a big difference. There's like uh, on the olive oil, there's a there's one brand out of Whole Foods that made the list and it's it's like seven bucks a bottle, but it tastes so good. And Mm -hmm. I think for the Trader Joe people that are out there, there's like three brands. So it's not going to cost you like 50 bucks a bottle. There are some better brands that are lower cost. But yeah, so the takeaway here is you can't just go ketogenic and eat a bunch of subpar type of foods because it is not going to result in reduced inflammation and more energy. And it's going to probably make you feel just as bad as you did. Yeah. And I mean, like short term, I know a lot of people in the keto community, the reason why they turn to it is for weight loss. Um, So short term, you may see like, oh, I'm eating bacon and cheese and uh, meat all day. And look, I'm down 20 pounds. But if we're I'm I promote keto for health, not really for weight loss that might come as you get healthy. But I am interested in the health benefits of it. And so long term, continuing to eat that way, you're probably not going to see these like blood markers change as much as you want to see if you don't start thinking about the quality. And that's why the veggies are such an important piece to that. Even for your gut health, um, reducing your inflammation, reducing your cholesterol, like you have to have that fiber and those vegetables and just those micronutrients too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. that's, That's very interesting. What is the biggest problem? So like uh, I would hear somebody say, oh, I'd, I'd love to go low carb or keto, but I can't give up my bread. What what is your I'm sure you have heard that. What is your answer to I just can't do it? I, I just can't change my lifestyle that way. I actually have a client who said that to me not even two <laughs> weeks ago, and it it was a battle. It took a couple weeks for her to get her head wrapped around it. And, you know, my advice is to just try it. Just try it, give yourself, like make a little bit of a commitment to give it four to six weeks. Maybe that would be enough for you to, to see a change. 
it might be more like two months that you might need to commit, but just say, you're just going to do it. You're just going to try it. You're going to find new things that you do love that you can eat as much of it as you want. Maybe you love eggs and you can have some eggs, um, which you thought were bad previously or something. So, um, and just see what happens because the only way that you're going to know if it's something that works for you or not is if you see how your body responds to it. Uh, you will, if you're used to eating bread, you will more than likely feel amazing. And then you will understand like those, that's why it's like, I don't even really have to do a whole lot of coaching because it speaks for itself. Right. Right. Like give yourself that time and you're going to notice, oh my gosh, I'm sleeping so much better. My fatigue during the, in the middle of the day is gone. My joint pain is gone. I feel so much more vibrant and energized. Well then is the bread really worth it to go back to? Right. And, and for those that uh, have been keto or, or those that are thinking about it, the, your hunger goes away. Yes. I mean, I, I talk about this in just about every podcast when we talk about low carb, but I'll have bulletproof coffee in the morning just because I like it. I like the taste of it. And, and it gives me a lot of energy, the MCT. And, but it'll be three or four o'clock in the afternoon. And I'll be like, oh, I should probably eat something just because all the hunger signals really diminish greatly on a ketogenic diet, at least for me. Do, do you experience yes. that? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, um, the cravings. And so this same, actually the same client, I just talked to her yesterday and she was very proud of herself because they're on Mondays they have, or yeah, some day, day this week, they had a huge spread of all these baked goods, which they do at work. And she, not only did she say no, but she just didn't have any interest in it. That's awesome. Like you yeah. just, it's just not worth it. And it, even if you have a bite and you realize like really, truly your taste buds change and it just becomes so sweet, you know, it's almost too sweet to even be enjoyable if you're having these like traditional sugary things that you're not used to. So that makes it worth it too. When you put somebody on keto, it may be individual specific, I'm sure, but do you typically recommend staying on keto long-term or cycling on and off? I think it really depends. I'm all for the keto lifestyle. That's what I promote. And so that means that you might go on vacation like I did last week and have some wine and some chocolate and not say in ketosis. And it's fine. Nothing. My life didn't change. Everything's fine. I still felt great. I got back into ketosis when I came home. Life's good. So I think if we can, I think if you start thinking, oh, I need to be on this long term or, oh, I need to cycle, then it becomes a little bit more of this like math equation or this kind of like, like strict, rigid thing that it just doesn't have to be. Right. I think that if you know how you feel when you eat a certain way, like, okay, when I eat this much fat, this much protein and this much carbohydrate throughout one day, I feel really good. And so majority of the time, I'm probably going to do that because I want to feel good majority of the time. But then if there's certain times where you go out to dinner with friends and there's sweet potato fries or I don't know, something and you eat them, so be it. Right. You know, that's great. It's, it's life. It's part of being the lifestyle that we want to lead that can be a very health promoting and healing lifestyle, but taking out that stress of like, Oh, I can't ever eat bread again. I can't ever eat this and that again. Cause I have to be in ketosis. Yep. Yep. I agree. If you go into it thinking that you can never do it again, you're, I think you're going to fail. I mean, exactly. uh, yeah. I mean, you go on vacation and I, I say, eat what you want. But after you've been ketogenic or low carb for a long time, you won't typically go on binges. You know, exactly. I mean, you'll you'll see the food and like what I'll do is I'll I do more of sampling. I'll try something and I'll be like, oh, that's good. But I won't eat a loaf of bread. I might eat a piece when I'm on vacation or whatever. And but I have no desire to gorge myself on all this stuff. You know, I like a little pasta and a little bread. I think, like you said, your tastes change. And now I've been, I've been on it for a long time too. And now it's, you're like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to eat that. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, it's just not, it, yeah. like does the, does the slight flavor, something you've haven't had in a while match how you're going to feel afterwards? Like if I have a piece of bread, I'm, pr I'm probably going to feel like bloated and tired yeah. and not all that great. So is it really worth it? Probably not. And you just haven't had it in so long that I, I personally, I have no interest in eating bread. Um, and then f for instance, when I was on vacation, they had this amazing chocolate, like factory chocolate place there and their darkest was 70%. And I had 
like a little truffle and it was like, man, this is sweet. So again, it's not like, okay, I'm going to buy all the chocolates and eat all of them in one day, like a binge type situation. It's like, okay, that was great, but that was a little sweet for me. I don't know if I need to continue doing that. It was a good treat and that's it. Yeah. I'm sure some, uh, listeners or viewers right now are saying like, what do you mean? 70%, (laughs) uh, which is funny because I was going to bring up that point of most of the chocolate I eat now, and it's it's very small portions is 85%, you know, or 80% dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. But when there is a 70%, uh, you know, it's kind of like, oh, man, that's cheating. And <laughs> I couldn't imagine eating a Snickers. Oh, right. oh, oh my goodness. Because yeah. even 80% is like pretty sweet. Like right now, sweet to me is like 80% chocolate. Mm-hmm. And if I eat a bowl of blueberries, I'm like, holy cow, this is like, am I eating pure sugar? It's <laughs> your, your taste just totally change. And, and it really doesn't take that long. Right. Right. It's, it's very quick. And that's kind of one of the things specifically for women that I think is so great is because so many of us deal with like binge tendencies, especially around our cycles. And, um, you know, just a lot of women don't feel like they have any control around their emotions around food. And there's a lot of that going on in, all communities, but then in keto, you have the ability to take that away and to finally feel like I tell people this all the time for the first time in my life. Like I mentioned, I'd been kind of a chronic dieter pretty much my whole life. Um, but the, for the first time ever, when I went keto, I felt totally in control of my, like my appetite and my cravings and everything. So I could actually be intuitive for the first time ever and just eat when I was hungry and stop when I was satisfied, not have these binges and not feel like I was missing out on anything and not feel like I was dieting. You mentioned the menstrual cycle. Does ketogenic diet help regulate around before and after? Is that, have you found that with your clients? Because, you know, I was married at one point and it was, there's difficult times during the month. (laughs) Right. And uh, I th- yes. I'm wishing she would have been on a ketogenic diet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, so have you because I know that's a really hard time for women around mm-hmm. that. So have you found that that's been pretty helpful? Yes, significantly, significantly helpful for people that have uh, well, women that have hormonal imbalances, making their cycles either absent or very tough. Um, now, the the kicker here, which is, you know, if you have females listening they're like, well, it didn't work for me. The kicker here is you have to be in ketosis. So if you notice, um, something that like you miss a cycle or, uh, your period is getting worse, check your ketones and make sure that you are actually in ketosis and not doing this like low carb, low food diet that we talked about before. That's the difference. Once you get into ketosis, and this is why I promote it so hard for women is because it does such great things for your menstrual cycle and regulating those hormones. And just you, I have so many women now that their cycles come and go and they barely even notice. It's just like another day. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It's just so great. So you mentioned measuring ketones. Do you recommend the blood or I know a lot of people do the cheap way with the the keto sticks and the urine, but that, that has its downside as well, right? The, the urine sticks. Yes. I do not recommend the keto sticks, which are the urine sticks. Um, they will very quickly become inaccurate for you. And then it gets really frustrating, you know, cause you just don't know what's going on. You can't get an accurate measurement of, cause this is why I like to test for ketones and I do recommend the blood ketone meter, but this is why I like to test is not to like get super obsessed with it or anything like that, but to get information for your body. So if you have a really great day where you feel awesome, testing your ketones will be like, okay, this is the level of ketones that I need to be in to feel really good. Um, or if you have a day where you kind of feel crappy, low energy, then you can also test and find that out. Like, okay, if I get this low, then I'm not getting that energy boost or getting the health boost from these ketones. So you just are finding more information out about your body, which is really important in my practice. Um, so yes, the blood ketone meter does that because, um, not only is it telling you when you're in ketosis or not, but it's also giving you a very specific number. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great tip right there. 
Yeah. So, you know, if it's like, yeah, you're in ketosis, but it, you know, it's at, I mean, the range is 0. 0.5 to 3.0 is technically nutritional ketosis. If you're at 0. 0.5 and you're feeling kind of, uh, then you know, okay, probably a, a little bit deeper state of ketosis would be better for me. And then you have this great day and you test and you're at 1.2, then it's like, okay, so what I did is working and I feel really good here and now I can stay there. And those meals that I had previous to this, um, get me into a nice state of, ke- of ketosis. And the strips are somewhat expensive, but what I found is you can go on Amazon and get it by a, like a reseller and you can get them down to like three bucks a strip, which is still expensive. But the point there is, yeah, you don't need to be taking them every single day, but I like, I like your approach of if, if you feel really good, take them and see where you're at. Mm -hmm. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I would do it when I did like, I did a couple five day fasts and I would do it every day just to see Mm -hmm. where I am. And talk about intermittent fasting real quick, because a lot of people will say, oh, I I intermittent fast for, you know, they do the 16, eight lean gains or whatever. And what I have found at least personally is my ketones, it's day three, it's 72 hours where they get really high. So I think people think, oh, I'm going to skip breakfast and my ketones are going to soar. I don't think that happens with anybody. I'm guessing because it definitely doesn't happen with me. Um, I think intermittent fasting is good. But if you're going to do fasting to get your ketones up, it's going to take more than eight hours of fasting. Yeah, it's going to take a longer time. Yes, for sure. And I mean, it will help if you're doing a ketogenic diet um, on those eight hours you're eating, like a true ketogenic diet and having that 16 hour fast is it might help you get into ketosis a little faster um, like, you know, quicker and maybe a little deeper quicker, but it's not going to be like all of a sudden you're skyrocketing ketones. No, you would definitely need a longer fast for that. Do you do any certain eating window like fasting or you just kind of eat whenever? Yeah, I just kind of eat whenever, um, when I was needing some deeper healing, um, in this whole mold protocol situation, I did fast. Um, I actually did alternate day fasting and I really, I actually really liked it. Um, my body, I had certain things that it did wonders for specifically my inflammatory markers, my immune system. I felt really good in that regard, but it was a little stressful on my body which I kind of found out in the middle of it. So, um, now I just kind of eat whenever I do prefer to work out fasted. So I work out in the morning. So I'm usually, I probably have about a 16, eight window just naturally. Um, because I, I enjoy working out fasted, but as far as intermittent fasting for women, I also think that that is something, another tool basically in the toolbox that you can use to optimize your health. And, you know, we both agree that it is, has a ton of health benefits. But um, like I mentioned, for me, it also was a stressor. So you have to make sure that you are really listening to your body, really looking for any signs that maybe it's not the right time for you, or maybe you need to shorten your fasting window or, um, you know, spread it out a little bit. Just there, you really have to be in tune with your body in order to to do it um, to its maximum potential and not cause more issues down the road. Yeah. And going to intermittent fasting or, or extended fasting, I know like Jimmy Moore, he's like done long, long fast, yeah. but like crazy fast. But I don't think I could do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bone broth for like 30, 30 <laughs> days or something. Yeah. No, thanks. But going from a standard American diet, going from junk food every day and then saying, I'm going to start fasting is very, very difficult. Yeah. If not impossible, it's you have to be low carb keto and then intermittent fasting. It almost happens naturally because you're just not hungry, but going from big Mac one day to fasting the next, you're just, it's, it's overwhelming. Yeah. And you know, your body is not ready for that. So I always recommend people get into ketosis and be there for, you know, probably three to five weeks, be in a nice deep state of ketosis continuously, and then try fasting. Because by then you're having that ketone production, you're already seeing some really good health benefits and just feeling quite a bit better. And then you can see if, um, I feel like that also gives you the ability to tap into your body a little bit more. And so then you can see, yeah, fasting is making me feel even better or fasting is making me feel a little worse. Right. 
Right. And that's when you know um, kind of how to do it. And for women specifically, you will notice potentially changes in your menstrual cycle or um, your sleep. Like if your sleep starts becoming interrupted, this might be the case for men too, For as far as the sleep one goes at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, hair loss. You know, these are all signs that that is too much stress on your body because not eating is a stressful scenario on your body. Now, if you have good adrenal health and you've been working on your cortisol regulation, then um, it's going to be fine. That's going to be great. Your body's going to be able to handle that. It's just most of us aren't quite there. Most of us have some sort of adrenal dysfunction. Right, right. Great point. Exogenous ketones. What's your your thought there? Because I, uh, for for those who have heard any podcast of mine before this, the problem I have with them is that they're marketed as this... uh, shortcut to ketosis. Mm -hmm. So you can eat a piece of chocolate cake and then take this and then, you know, the world's great, but you miss the whole process of just because you have ketones in your body doesn't mean that you're, you're doing the right thing. You miss the whole process of being in ketosis. And, but you know, I've interviewed a few people who say from an athletic performance standpoint, it's, they have their uh, use, but do you have a lot of women, women, especially just just because yeah. that's most of the people I know that have started taking these exogenous ketones. But do you see that a lot? They just try to use it as a shortcut or they still want to eat the regular food and then use this supplement, which, by the way, is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Yes, I call it one of the biggest uh, wastes of money <laughs> out there. Uh, for the keto community. But yes, I do see that quite a bit, although I promote... I hopefully most of my listeners know that that's not the route to go because one of the best and biggest benefits about being in a ketogenic state or doing a ketogenic diet is the regulation of your blood sugar. That's what's healing so many of these things that you feel. And we, you know, if you're coming from a standard American diet or even a quote unquote healthy diet or paleo diet or whatever, you can still have blood sugar dysregulation very easily. So if you're coming from that, that is just such an amazing benefit of um, going through the process of getting into ketosis. And you don't have to do that if you are um, make, taking these exogenous ketones, yet you still prick your finger and you get a reading on the meter and it's like, oh, I'm doing it. So no, it's a, it's definitely a side swipe. You know, it's a roundabout way. And it's, in my, I mean, I hate to say it, it's kind of a negative word, but I think it's cheating. <laughs> so cheating the system a little bit. Um, but I do have people be- that, because there's like, almost this stigma around getting into ketosis where it's like, as soon as you produce that number on your ketone meter, magic happens. And like, you have this, like, it's like a unicorn comes down and makes everything (laughs) great in your life. So, um, so people are just want that so badly and they're willing to spend this much money on this supplement to get there. The hard part is that that's not actually what happens. Yes, you are going to feel good getting into ketosis, but I always tell people you are getting into ketosis to start the healing process. It's not that you get in, you produce ketones and everything's fine and your life is dandy. You have to then go through that process of healing whatever is the reason as to why you have excess weight, why your hormones are out of balance, whatever you're you're dealing with. So it's it's just you have to go through that process. And part of that is changing your diet to that degree to where you can do that on your own. It's that diet change that is doing so much more for you. Right. There's no shortcuts. There's no, no shortcuts. That's, you know, we all want them well, and I, we all keep looking for them. Yeah. I said, if there's a pill I could take so I could eat pizza every single day and feel <laughs> great, I would, I, I it, it, they could charge me 10 bucks a pill, but you know, it's the same thing with, uh, you know, P90X or everybody wants these really quick ways to get in shape. And, and I think if you just kind of take this holistic approach and, you know, get your sleep right and get your stress in check and eat right and sleep, sleep, sleep. Mm-hmm. you'll feel better. You know, people mm-hmm. want to sleep three hours a night and they wonder why they can't lose weight. They wonder why they don't feel well. You can change your diet, but if, if the other parts of your life are out of order, you know, it's going to be not very, gonna happen. yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So this is, this is an awesome discussion, but we're, we are running out of time, but before we go, so a couple questions, uh, what foods do you love that you don't eat anymore? 
Ooh, um, I would say even though we had this talk about su- sweet tooth changing and I'm all that, I'm thinking chocolate might be on that list. <laughs> yes, although I do still <laughs> eat, eat it. Although, like, I'm now actually up to a hundred percent dark chocolate, yeah, and I can actually eat that, which is that's bitter, yeah. crazy. But um, I am always drawn to baked goods of any sort, like cake or like pumpkin bread or anything like that. I don't eat it unless I can. I've actually come up with a few keto recipes, which is nice. Um, so I can eat some of that stuff, but I'm just very drawn to that. And I even like cupcakes or something like that and don't ever eat them. Yeah. Obviously yeah. that would, I probably, I probably should try because I'd realize I don't even like them anymore. Like frosting is probably way, way too sweet for me at this point. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just sickening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to like to eat donuts. I couldn't imagine uh-huh. eating a donut now. No, I think I that, mean, just how bad would you feel afterwards? Oh. Just like it sitting in your stomach, like a rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are some takeaways for the, for the people on a standard American diet right now that say, how do I get started? And then what about maybe a tip or two and then a tip or two for low carbers that want to get into ketosis. So let's start with the regular diet, regular standard. Yeah. I would say for standard American diet, I really truly think that just getting yourself into a real food diet is the first step. So eliminating all the packaged and processed foods, basically anything that comes in a bag or a box or has a nutrition label that you have to read to see what's in it. Um, although there are some good stuff out there too, but just if you see anything on that label that you don't know what it is, then that means your body doesn't know what it is. So I think that really is the first step to, because once you do that, you realize that the processed and packaged foods that you're eating, even if it's something like yogurt or whatever, um, is really causing you to be in this really high carb diet. So you take that stuff out and you're automatically getting into this more low carb approach. Um, and then from there, so I would say do that for, you know, a month or two at least, and then you can look more into the ketogenic type approach, which is basically taking that and significantly increasing your fat intake. So finding all these really good um, fats that we talked about, adding those into your every single meal, a lot into every single meal and um, getting then more focusing on getting your carbohydrates from vegetables um, and maybe some nuts and seeds and avocado and things like that. So that's kind of the, the step. But I think standard American, let's just clean up the diet first. Right, right. Great point. The way I approach it is, you know, I know how much protein I'm going to eat for my weight. I try to keep it around 70 grams. It's like half of my lean body mass. And then I keep my carbs low and then everything else is good fat. So that's like the, that's like the staple of it. Fat is nutrient dense. So it's, you know, nine calories. So you can, even though you can lose weight on ketogenic, you can, you can go overboard. So you got to be careful not to go overboard, right? With the fat. So you can't, you can't be like, Almond butter seems to be the, <laughs> you know, uh, where people will just like eat tons of almond butter. Well, there's a lot of calories, so you could actually c- kind of defeat the purpose if you're trying to lose weight. You still have to look at your macros and your total calories, right? Yes. And um, I mean, I think at least in for women, and I, I actually think this is probably the case for men too, it's e- actually easier to go the other way where you're not eating enough. So I am, because that's and something we talked about, fat is also super satiating. So if you're going to have a half a um, jar of almond butter, then like you're not going to eat the rest of the day because you're going to be stuffed. So, um, you know, if you add this fat to the right quantity, then you're eating two or three meals a day. Um, and they're very balanced and whatever. And you end up eating probably about right where you should be as far as the amount of, of energy or calories without super really trying. What usually ends up happening is people do this whole approach. And like I said, they don't increase their fats enough. Right. And that's when we just become too low calorie because they're like, well, yeah, I still have to only eat one tablespoon of oil at each meal. And that's not enough. Right. Especially if you're taking out all those carbs and and that protein too. And especially if you're eating a lot of vegetables, that, they fill me up. Mm-hmm. A low carber that wants to get into keto, what would be the first step? Really, the only well, I guess there's there are a few steps, but the biggest step is to really take a hard look at how much fat you're eating, and probably double it. <laughs> like just based on what I've seen, I tend to tell people going from low carb or paleo or whatever to make sure they're having at least three servings of fat at each meal at minimum. 
And maybe even you have a snack in there that's also fat-based too. So that's kind of a good staple. And just assuming, I mean, I don't like to really get into like measuring foods or anything like that, but you know, like a tablespoon of oil is going to be one serving. So having at least three servings of fat to get started at each meal while keeping your carbs low. And then of course you have to find that protein intake that's right for you, which is a little different for everybody, but it's probably going to be, if you're someone that's coming from this more paleo template, it's probably going to be some less than you're used to eating. And all that means, it doesn't mean that you have to like skip a protein source at a meal or anything. It just means, um, lowering, you know, making that your actual, um, serving smaller. So just make your burgers a little smaller. Right. Right. What's your, what's your take on fruit? I mean, I think that fruit, I hate to demonize anything because fruit's obviously a, a great source of, of nutrients. Um, I think that people rely on it a little bit too much. So I have no problem, even with a ketogenic diet of you having some berries or something like that occasionally if it works and it keeps you in ketosis and you feel really good. Um, but it's more so are you eating a little too bit too much? Are you relying on that too much for your carbohydrate source when you could get it from vegetables instead? Yeah, you know, I try to just think seasonally fruit wasn't available all the time like it is now. So I try to think like, what would be available? That's, that's why like going, I live in St. Louis and we got this killer farmer's market and that kind of tells you what's in season. That's what, that's, right. that's what I like. So if you try to eat seasonally, that will keep your, keep your fruit in check. That's kind of how I think about it because I don't know, I, in the Midwest, we don't have banana trees and we don't have mango <laughs> trees. And you know, some of that stuff is pretty high sugar if you're eating mangoes and I, I don't even know because all I ever eat is are like blueberries I'll eat some berries right. but like some of that fruit has a ton of sugar figs and stuff like that that's that stuff probably should be avoided yeah the dry, <laughs> dried fruit is a different story because it's very packed with sugar and uh again if you are going through this ketogenic phase and <clears throat> you get into it then your taste for these really high sugar fruits is going to change anyways, and you're not going to want it. Like blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, those are going to be pl plenty as far as, you know, craving, you know, getting that sweet tooth craving out of the way. Yeah, they're very, very sweet. So we are out of time. So Sean, before we go, though, tell us about your killer podcast that you have going on, Keto for Women show and all the other resources and how somebody can get a hold of you. Yeah, sure. So yes, the Keto for Women show, uh, it's out there anywhere you listen to podcasts, it's all over. And it's really just me. Most of the time, it's just me answering questions uh, about the ketogenic diet that I've had submitted for from my listeners. So that's really fun. And I love doing it. I also have the fat burning female project. It's coming up. Um, I do it about, uh, once every other month and it's a six week course that takes women into a ketogenic state, um, from wherever they are now safely and effectively. So we make sure to kind of avoid all those triggers that could make it a stressful scenario. So that's really fun. I have that too. And then I have my website, just seanminer.com where I share recipes and, um, just stuff about me, just my life. And then I'm uh, on Instagram. I do quite a bit on Instagram, especially on Instagram stories. If you want to see like my day-to-day -day life and that's at Sean Minor Health, uh, Instagram and Facebook. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. This has been an awesome, yeah. uh, awesome uh, audio and video podcast. And uh, yeah, and you, you have uh, set history here. You are the first yes. video podcast. <laughs> well, uh, I hope it works. Yeah, well, I, I hope I hit the right button. The right button. So, uh, Sean, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a great conversation. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today, and we hope that you are on the road to your successful low-carb lifestyle. Become a leader in your health and a leader in life. Check us out at www.thelowcarbleader.com. And remember to join Dan again next time on the Low Carb Leader Podcast.